Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Steve Rosenblum. There was a keg stand I lost to an 81-year-old lady. She got off the main <laughs> floor, and then, and, but I was, it was really close. Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Yeah, like they're, like Channel 2 News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife about getting Steve. He wants connected my dots and more to my plate. I'm going to dunk his ass. They suck, so you don't have to. Can't you morons do anything right? Founding members of the WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this show and i quote stink stank stunk it's saturday suckage on the score we should be 670 wsuk Welcome in. It's Saturday. Suckage. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Let's see who else is here. Let's take roll. Grobber. It sucks and it freebases. Don Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. Jake Arietta. This sucks. Really, it does. Albert Almora. Damn, Willie, man. Like, do we suck? Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you got to embrace the suck. Eloy Jimenez. Hey, you guys not going to make anyway. You guys are suck. Hey, when, when I got traded the next day, oh, welcome to the suck team. Toby. Oh, my God, this sucks. Random Bears fan. Terry Bars! Finally made a list of somebody who thinks he sucks besides I do. Liam Hendricks. I wouldn't say seeking perfection, it's just mainly trying not to suck. Julie Swika. Man, that sucks. Wilson Contreras. Losing, losing suck. I'll tell you that, and, and that's all I can say. George Went. We had fun, um, but there you go. I sucked. Garth Algar. Turn it off, man! Turn it off! It's sucking my will to live! Steve Dahl. This guy sucks! 
sucks. This guy sucks. Cesar Perez. What's going on, Steve? We got a short one today, man. We do. We have a short one, but don't don't dismiss the power behind it. So let's get going. Welcome to Saturday Suckage. I suck, so you don't have to. We are doing this show. We are broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealer. Our phone number at the score is this, 312-644-6767. That'll get you to our listener line, powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. That number, by the way, 312-644-6767, also gets you to the score's tech zone. The tech zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. I have a musical question for you, Sox fans. Last night, the White Sox beat the evil, dreaded twins in Minnesota, 6-2. A homer from Tim Anderson and a three-run homer by Adam Engel. The first three-run homer off the Sox bench in 21 years since Herbert the Milkman Perry in 2001 according to Soxaholic Jay Kuda. The homers that we've been screaming for from these guys, from these inexplicably neutered bats, killed the evil dreaded Quinn twins. So, Sox fans, do you believe or do you refuse to get suckered again? Are you this, Sox fans? Don't stop believing. Or are you this, Sox fan? We don't get fooled again. Michael Kopech threw five innings of two-run ball. And he threw harder than we've seen recently, around 96. But his outing was shaky. It was good enough. Five hits, four walks. All all that added velocity was really nothing but trouble, it seems. It, It was a lack of command. But still... He gave the Sox a chance to win the way he was expected to when the team unconscionably refused to bring back Carlos Rodon and his 5.1 war from last year and his 3.6 war from this year, which is way ahead of any Sox player. Do you believe, Sox fans, or do you refuse to get suckered again? Are you this, Sox fans? Or are you this, Sox fans? We don't get fooled again. After Kopech, the Sox's perfect bullpen parade featured Lopez, Kelly, Graveman, and Hendricks, each with a scoreless inning. I mean, Joe Kelly was a revelation. Two strikeouts, 15 pitches, one, two, three. Kendall Graveman was Houdini, by the way, in, 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 by comparison, giving up two hits, but nothing else. And Hendricks remained dominant. Liam Hendricks has not given up an earned run since May 14th. Yes, there was an injury gap there. But consider where we were with him at the start and with a whole bullpen in the first month. Hendricks has has retired 21 hitters in a row, as noted by NBC's Sports Chicago Sultan of the, the Stat, Chris Kamka. In his last 15 games, covering 15 and a third innings, Liam Hendricks' ERA is 0.0, Mr. Blutarski. Hendricks has allowed four hits, three walks, and recorded 22 strikeouts. 
His slugging percentage is 100. His OPS is 232. He has not, not allowed an inherited runner to score since about Mother's Day. Are you this, Sox fans? Don't stop believing. Or are you this, Sox fans? We don't get fooled again. Louis Robert continues to suck defensively, defensively inexplicably. He broke badly on two balls yesterday, which is now the norm for him. He also left the game, which is the Sox norm no matter what. Robert left the game because of what was called lightheadedness. Yeah, well, okay. Are you this, Sox fans? Don't stop believing. Or are you this, Sox fans? We don't get Since June 1st, Jose Abreu has a slash line of 359, 427, 541. He has an OPS of 968. That covers the last 43 games. Six homers, 25 RBIs in that time. His war is 2.8. That's the best on the team. And here's the thing. We haven't gotten to August, where his career slash line is 335, 390, 604, all three the best of his splits, which means his OPS of 994 also is the best of his career splits. Jose August has been has almost been happening in the last six weeks, and there's still the real August to come. Are you this, Sox fans? Don't stop believing. Or are you this, Sox fans? We don't get fooled again. Tony LeBevington remains the Sox manager. He remains the guy with an unprecedented pitching decision after unprecedented pitching decision, intentional walks, seemingly needing to be awakened and using modern metrics as a weapon to gash his front office, or so it feels. The guy who is telling his players not to run so fast, don't play so hard, that's why 500 has seemed like a thousand. He's still here, and he will be, unless the Sox rehire Hawk Harrelson to fire him. He'll be here for the rest of whatever this season is. Sox fans, are you this? Don't stop believing. Or are you this, Sox fans? We don't get fooled again. Sox are 45 and 45. They are at 500 for the first time in almost a month. Just imagine. World Series or bus team at 500 for the first time in almost a month. They are three games behind the Twins, the evil, dreaded Twins, still with the annoying Guardians ahead of them. The Sox are two games behind the evil, dreaded Twins in the loss column. That's the key. They're also tied with Baltimore, two and a half games behind in the wild card. They have given us moments where we believe they would jumpstart these injured zombies in New York. Remember that? Sweeps of Detroit and San Francisco. But they didn't. And now, here they are, four wins in a row over division opponents against whom they've sucked, 
more than the manager's strategy. Are you this, Sox fans? Don't stop believing. Or are you this, Sox fans? We don't get fooled again. Okay, I'm going to give you an answer. This is like cheating on the test. I'm going to give you the answer. You should believe. You know why? Because you got nothing else to do this summer. I mean, it's... And and who knows? Maybe the tsunami of fandom, the tsunami of emotion, the expectation that is... Uh, like, their World Series are bust. They said it. So should you. And you should expect it. And it has come to this. They're, they're, they faded out at times. They face-planted. They would seem to demand the exit of the manager at long last. And yet, they're still here. They're just sticking around. They're being allowed to hang around in this division. And it would be, by the way, just like this year's Sox team with this year's manager and this year's injuries. To complete a four-game sweep on the road of the Twins to move two games over 500, to crawl within a grasp of the evil, dreaded division leaders, and then, at their hottest and most emotional, most assertive, their most demanding of respect, they will take almost a week off because of the All-Star break and come back and lose six in a row. You know I'm right, or at least you fear I'm right. But still, Sox fan, you've you've got nothing to lose. You got nothing else to do this summer, at least until the Bears camp, Bears open camp, right? And we find out who's running with the the ones at right at right guard. And that seems like a good segue. We'll talk Bears. We'll do that next on Saturday Suckage. The Bears traded for a new receiver. Who is this guy? Why should we care? Anthony Heron will tell us next. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Welcome in, welcome back. Saturday Suckage. I suck so you don't have to. We get back to the White Sox and major news being broken by The Athletic about Juan Soto. Well... How'd you like to be in a position to be turned down $440 million? Say, no, that's okay. And now the Nationals are reportedly are going to look to trade him. That's Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. So, Anthony Heron, how'd you like to be in a position to say no to $440 million? How you doing? Good morning. <laughs> well, Steve, let, let's not presume that I haven't had an opportunity at $440 million before. I mean, you know, it, it's Out. a little early on a Saturday, but let's not make too many presumptions here outstanding he got all of that ladies and gentlemen <laughs> so tell us when did you turn down 440 million was it the all right score so there, there was a time as, a, as i harken back to my my days of yore there was a time where i was a suit steve i, I worked <laughs> I behind a, a desk on a daily basis as an executive for the arena football league the league office was moving from chicago to las vegas and you know there, there were a few folks on the staff at the time who got let go who were relieved of their duties but 
for the work I'd done up to that point. The new commissioner, the owners around the league, they wanted me and my wife to move, move out to Vegas and, and be a part of this new direction of the AFL. You know what? No, I'm wrong. It wasn't $440 million. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm incorrect on a few zeros there. They, they did want to pay I, me a, a decent salary. But, yeah, I got my zeros off there somewhere along the way. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, me uh. too. I got $4.40 <laughs> plus, plus tips. All right. Right, um, right. We're de- Anthony Heron joins us on the score. And Anthony Heron's visit on the guest on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas home of the world's largest sports book, is sparked by the Bears making a trade for a wide receiver. Lord knows they could use wide receivers. <laughs> they got guys that we don't know. And we played a, last segment, we played a lot of the who, and this is kind of where we are with, with the recent acquisition from the Patriots. Now, I contend the Patriots can't draft receivers any better than the Bears can. Tight ends, yes. Receivers, no. But... And, and what's even worse for the Patriots is they've had the best cheating as coach in history. The Bears have had the McCaskies, and they both come up with, like, question marks for receivers. So you saw a lot of Nikhil Harry mm-hmm. in, in his college days, and I thought it was real interesting what you had tweeted out. So share with the class what you tweeted, what you saw, how you analyzed this. Well, he he enters a receiver room that, as as you know well, because I, I spent a lot of time listening to Saturday Suckage. You know the Bears are are bereft of talent at the moment, uh, especially at the skill <laughs> position that. areas. And uh, you know to be able to bring in at least someone with the physical capabilities of Nikhil Harry upgrades the overall talent in the room. And the the approach that right now the Bears seem to be taking, aside from bringing in guys who run afoul of the law to varying degrees, but also they, they are trying to bring in what they would view as developmental talent in this first year under Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. What I do like, what does encourage me, is that we, we truly, we rarely, if ever, heard Matt Nagy talk about development of the players on his roster, and that is at least, we, we've heard both Poles and Iberflus verbalizing that a lot, where you know the Bears were so bad at, at a number of things, but certainly in developing offensive skill players. One thing defensively, especially that front seven, there'd be late round picks and free agents, you name it, that defensive front seven, they would find guys who could play and contribute. Offensive skill, it's been such a weak spot, such a sore spot for this organization for a number of years, so the fact that they at least are focused on development, are verbalizing development. It does let me know that, that they recognize how important that is to really build the depth of your roster, the competitive depth that you need where you're not going to see guys who feel like they can sort of lackadaisically go through the motions and still earn playing time on the field. I like that approach. Specific to Nikhil Harry, though, to your question, he is a, he's came out as a gifted athlete. He was one of the top receivers in the country coming out of high school. He was productive. Every year he was in Tempe at Arizona State. Patriots, you know, like you referenced, Bill Belichick, he has not had a lot of success drafting wide receivers, but he went into the first round to get Nikhil Harry. It just hasn't worked out in New England. And for whatever reason that's been, he's had a couple of injuries, but even when he's been healthy and on the field, he hasn't been productive with the Patriots. Maybe maybe it's the Josh McDaniel system that doesn't suit him. Maybe it is, you know, as Tom Brady seemingly was on his last legs in Harry's rookie year and then the last couple of years since then, uh, the up and down play at quarterback that they've had. Whatever it's been, he hasn't worked out there. So it's another guy that the Bears add with a fresh start 
with a fresh opportunity to try to prove himself in the National Football League. So Tom Brady, and to some degree, Josh McDaniels, made magic happen with your name here as receivers. Mm -hmm. Not that they, I mean, they weren't bereft of talent. Julian Edelman was wonderful, and they they brought in Randy Moss. But it, it always seemed like, all right, whatever we got, we can we can make something happen. And they managed to do that, and they didn't do it with this guy. And now he comes to a new offense, a new coaching staff. He comes to a, a quarterback in, I will say in flux, because we don't know what Justin Fields is yet. Is mm-hmm. he the turnover of the machine, or is he the guy, the... The, the slinger, the guy who's willing to wait and hold and hold and hold the ball because he thinks touchdown to check down. So why do you think this will work with Nikhil Harry? Honestly, I, I don't know that it will for, for a variety of reasons, Steve, because we don't know what offensive philosophy he's truly going into. And just think back to, you know, I mean, you know, some of us were – fairly early in the Matt Nagy era, even when the Bears were winning the division. I had some pretty quick complaints about what he was doing offensively even in that season. (laughs) And then to watch how that played out, we thought we knew what Matt Nagy wanted to do because we'd watch Andy Reid doing it for years, and it seemed like a great offensive system. And then Matt Nagy came here, and the guy had never called a play before, and it just never came together. He never did an effective job of putting the players that were actually on his roster in the best position to succeed, chief amongst those quarterback. So I'm making no assumptions about Luke Getze at all because everything he's done in the NFL has been with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback, which can certainly make the life of anyone on an offensive staff much easier when you have that guy <laughs> as your signal caller. And Luke Getze is, again, a guy who's never called a play in the National Football League. But if we just if we operate through the glasses half-full lens and presume – that Luke Getze's system will be, you know, somewhat bare bones. We'll have a and you know got a defensive head coach, so you would imagine there will be a run pass balance, just like they began to feature in Green Bay. That's enhanced the longevity of Aaron Rodgers and made his life much easier since Matt Lafleur took over and Luke Getze saw how that played out. So let's presume there's going to be some run pass balance. Let's presume that the pocket will move. That should put Justin Fields and the offensive line in front of him, as inexperienced as they are, in a position where they're not on an island nearly as frequently as we saw them with Matt Nagy. Nikhil Harry's potential role in that could be that his, his body type, his physical dimensions, his, his imposing sort of nature are very different than the majority of the other receivers on the Bears roster. He's a much bigger guy. He's very physical as a runner after the catch. He was a sure-handed guy. Well, I shouldn't say. He had some drops in college in, in a high volume of targets, But he was very good on the contested grab, on the acrobatic catch. Those are things he did really well in college that haven't transitioned as well to the NFL. But Nikhil Harry, by comparison to the other receivers on the Bears roster, he could potentially be that, you know, really in in an Allen Robinson sort of manner, he could be that guy on, on third and medium where you run a slant and he works through the body of a defensive back and he doesn't need a lot of separation because, frankly, he hasn't been effective at creating separation in the NFL but he can be one of those contestants. off, and he'll come to your bar or bat mitzvah, and he'll analyze the hugging game and the snowball dance. Do I have Very that right, effectively. Anthony? Yes, yes. Yeah, dance okay. moves, break dancing. Uh, if there's an auctioneer that you might be looking for for certain events, I've done that in the past as well. Yeah, uh, I'm a versatile sure. guy. Rosie. 
Oh, my man. Okay, so let me, uh, you brought up at the end of discussing Nikhil Harry and what the Bears and what Luke Getze might or might not do short of bringing Aaron Rodgers here. <laughs> the idea that he might be, the that Nikhil Harry could be arguably the best blocking wide receiver on the roster now. He certainly got the size for it. Mm-hmm. He was used for that. If that's the case, does that further underscore the fact that we're running the ball, everybody's going to be a part of it, and the passing game will play out of that? Does that give you confidence that they're actually going to back up what they say And that compared to Matt Nagy saying, I'm not an idiot, but then choosing to be an idiot by not running the ball? It does. It does. I mean, at least just in their intentions are precisely what I think the – the sort of mediocre offensive roster that the Bears are presented with right now, what their intentions are seem to suit that. And that, that's just that's a point Matt Nagy never got to. Matt Nagy continued to look at his offense as though he just had pro bowlers in every spot and matchup advantages everywhere, and he tried to call the game like that, and it, it led to the, the awful results that we saw in the years that he was calling the offense for the Bears. This approach that they seem to be setting up, and again, I'm not going to make too many assumptions, but that they seem to be setting up here, this approach will at least give the personnel they have the best opportunity for success. I mean, kind of like you think back to you know, that, that week two game that we all just, you know, panned would be polite oh. for, for what we said about that week two matchup in Cleveland and Justin Fields' first start, week two, week three, whatever it was. But that game in Cleveland where we saw the approach the Cleveland Browns took offensively with their limited quarterback, Baker Mayfield, but a guy who can play winning football in the NFL, they just understood what lane Baker Mayfield had to operate in, so they just hit you with a couple of different running backs. They moved the pocket. They created you know, advantageous downs and distances and didn't ask Baker Mayfield to do too much in a similar fashion to what the Buffalo Bills did early in the time that they had their quarterback there. So I, I do think over that had Josh Allen there behind center, started immediately, didn't ask Josh Allen to do too much, and then year by year they put more on his plate And again, going to that Green Bay example, this is the least that's ever been on the plate of Aaron Rodgers throughout his career while he's playing to some extent. He's he's maybe physically not the guy he was, but playing the most precise football he's ever played over the last few seasons. But it's because they've condensed what they ask him to do. Mike McCarthy asked Aaron Rodgers to be Superman every single week. We've seen Matt LaFleur condense that. There's some pushback on it. Now there's some give and take where Aaron Rodgers can still look special in certain moments and go off script pretty frequently, but the script that they give him is far more condensed than it's ever been before and allows other people to have to be featured and focused on and make plays. That's what the Bears offense should look like, and it does seem like adding Nikhil Harry as a guy who not only can be one of these pass-catching guys and maybe a physical red zone target, a jump ball potential kind of guy, but even as a blocker, as a wide receiver, where, you know, by comparison, sure, Darnell Mooney's a willing blocker, but Matt Nagy running Darnell Mooney in there as as a lead on on a running back iso play, that didn't work out too well for the Bears too frequently. (laughs) So, you know, you at least have another guy who just from a formational perspective, you can maybe do some things in the run game that you didn't have the potential to do before you signed a guy like Nikhil Harry. Anthony Heron is my guest. We're talking football here on Saturday Suckage. As a former player, when you hear a coach come in, and this defensive coordinator is now the head coach, and he's got his HITS principle, which stands for this and that and the other thing, <laughs> and he's got acronyms. And I maybe it's just the jaded, cynic sports media person I am. You? But I wonder no. if somebody. Yeah, I know. I'm shocking, I know. 
This is a time of, this is sort of radiotherapy. We just sort of act vulnerable and let it all out. Uh So you've been in a locker room. You've heard coaches say this. I could hear eyeballs rolling of veteran players. Maybe there aren't that many veterans on the Bears. What do you make of that, or how do you expect this to have an effect positively or negatively with this coach? A lot of it will come down to how well he legitimately connects with players because you know just if you know different people can read from the same script and and sometimes it resonates sometimes it doesn't and I think for Matt Eberflus he at least has been viewed throughout his career as a guy who connects really well with his players that's always been defensive guys of course so now his approach needs to broaden his communication style needs to broaden a bit and you know whether it's you know, acronyms, motivational speech, you know, the, the hustle principles that he tries to deploy, you know, through everyone. If he's good at connecting with his roster, it can work. Like, you know, Gary Moeller passed the other day, and he was a guy who actually, my, my rookie year in the NFL in 2001, was with the Detroit Lions, and Gary Moeller had just been. He took over for Bobby Ross like halfway through the, the previous season in the year 2000. Bobby Ross left. Gary Moeller got promoted from defensive coordinator to interim head coach. He actually, like, he won four out of the last, what, four out of the last seven games, and they missed the playoffs with uh, with Gary Moeller as their coach because Paul Edinger and the Bears went to the Pontiac Silverdome, hit a 54-yard field goal that knocked Detroit out of the playoffs to close out that 2000 regular season, or Gary Moeller would have continued as the head coach. So coming in that next year, Matt Millen came in as the GM. Marty Morningweg got hired as the head coach. But talking to all those veterans, because it was still a veteran-laden roster in Detroit during my rookie year, all those guys connected really well with this college coach, with Gary Moeller, even though they were veterans. But they said, you know what? There was something about his communication style, something about the way he connected with us. And they, you know, a lot of guys like Robert Porsche and Tracy Scroggins and all these guys who just, just been through a bunch of battles in the NFL said, man, Loved playing for that guy. And they never connected with Marty. You know, Marty was out of the Bill Walsh tree and supposed to be the offensive wizard, kind of the the next Wunderkind coach that was coming in to, you know, revolutionize some offense in the NFC Central or NFC North at the time, I think it still was, but never connected with Marty. There was nothing genuine about his approach as a head coach. He had had a bunch of gadgets and a bunch of scripted things he loved to say, but it just didn't resonate with the locker room. Whereas Gary Moeller was the guy they wished would have stayed around, who had a winning record in his short time as an interim coach. But then you get that 54-yarder from Edinger, he's out, doesn't get another head coaching opportunity. Matt Millen comes in, cleans house, start doing his own thing. So I guess my point is it's up to the person. So, you know, whether it's an acronym, that's just a teaching style. You know, just something where you, you want your message to be very crystal clear to the players of what you expect. And as long as you are repetitive with that, are consistent with it, then your roster knows what to expect from you. From there, it's just about the interpersonal side of it. Is he, is he a guy who the players trust, who they believe in, who they think is genuine in his approach? And then you get into games and see if he can actually coach football. But I, the acronyms don't bother me. The, the football-y, footballerton stuff doesn't bother me at all. I mean, I'm an old defensive lineman, so I really dig that kind of stuff anyway if you're genuine with how you actually connect with the players to deliver it. Okay, I, I, the genuine is a real, if, if you're real, if you're genuine, if it's true, if the players believe this is the actual person, there's transparency, this is just the way this guy is, 
I can accept that versus somebody who comes in and tries to act smarter than the room. Did you see my resume? Do you see my credentials? So if that's the case, if he comes in, you could say anything. Players will play because they've got to play for their own pride plus their own job. Plus they're playing for a guy who doesn't, they're not distracted by a guy's personality or motivation or agenda or anything like that. So does what you've seen of Matt Eberflus look genuine? It does. It, it legitimately does. And, you know, he may get out there on Sundays and, and decide he's going to go for 4th and 11 every series, and he may still be an idiot. But as far as what his intention <laughs> is, it, it does strike me as genuine to his approach, genuine to everything I've heard about him throughout his career up to this point. Doesn't mean he'll handle the big whistle well, but but his ability. I mean, you know, just look at Detroit and Dan Campbell, and the, the Lions played really hard. As, as much as Dan Campbell came off like a buffoon in that opening press conference with the, all the, the mm-hmm. kneecap biting and whatever the garbage he was talking about, something within that locker room, though, had the guys believing in Dan Campbell and a roster that wasn't great, played hard, and was in a bunch of games last year. Now they've spent some money and there will be some expectations in Detroit you know, this coming season. So we'll see if Dan Campbell can actually coach. But he did have a roster who played their tails off for him last year. I would anticipate something similar. There, there will be a similar look, feel to what the Bears end up doing this year. I believe the Bears are going to play a lot of close games. There's going to be some frustration with the offense, but it's not going to be for a lack of effort. And that's the thing that matters as much as anything. That, that accountability that didn't show up between the white lines from Matt Nagy. And right now, you know, with, with some guys and, you know, the, the arrests that have happened so far, no one's been cut for it. And I think there, there can be some, some assumptions. And I think the Bears are, have now opened themselves up to that question, whether or not there's accountability that's there because you have some guys who've, who've run afoul of the law here. My impression, though, is that between the white lines, in the meeting rooms, there will be some consistency to the accountability. There will be expectations that are set for the effort that's going to be deployed on the field, and it will end up equaling the Bears losing a lot of, of what games that feel competitive and feel close but that you feel like they're going to struggle to put points on the board. That's how I anticipate this season looking under Matt Eberflus. And then, you know, from there, we'll just see whether or not he actually can put them in strategic advantages as the roster does get enhanced when they're ready to start spending money a year from now. We have a better sense for their true belief in Justin Fields or lack thereof. I think all those things will play out to to the point where we figure out if the Bears are are really able to take any other step under Matt Eberflus. But he does strike me as a very genuine guy, and I think that's going to resonate with the effort we see from the players out there. It's going to be, you know, it's not going to be this season for it to actually equal a lot of W's, I don't think, though. All right, good news, Bears fans. They're going to be the Lions, except they're swapping uh, rap sheets for cannibalism. Excellent. Looking right. forward to this. Right. <laughs> Anthony, a lot thanks, to be excited thanks about. For your t- <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks for your time, Anthony. Appreciate it. All right, Steve. Thanks. That's Anthony Heron. Anthony Heron's everywhere you want to be. On the score, on the Big Ten Network, on Fox, on everywhere you want to be. And now he was just on Saturday Suckage. I'm Steve Rosenblum. We uh, will get back to, hey, the White Sox have a lineup. They're going for game three of a projected four-game sweep of the evil dreaded twins. They have a lineup. Who's in? Who's out? Get back to that after this. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Certainly is. 
I love Anthony Heron. He's everywhere you want to be. He's been everywhere. The Bears get this receiver I'd never heard of. Anthony Heron was covering his games as a Pac-12, back when the Pac-12 used to exist, when he played at ASU. And then we find out that he's equating Nat Eberflus with his acronyms to Dan Cannibal, Dan, Dan Campbell and his biting kneecaps, to the, this is where they are as long as they're honest, as long as they're genuine, as long as players believe it, they'll play hard, and that's what he expects. 779 Texter looked yesterday. Bears and Lions win total is 6.5. Six and a half. All right, so there's your win total the same. So I would guess that criminality and cannibalization are awash in this factor between the Bears and the Lions. Welcome and welcome back to Saturday Suckers. The Tech Zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. Top of the hour, we'll talk some Bulls Summer League. They played their last game, and it's been somewhat eventful for the guys you wanted to be, for whom you wanted to be eventful. We'll talk to Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago about that. In the meantime, the White Sox have themselves a lineup. Leading off, Tim Anderson. That's what he does. Batting second, Yoan Moncada. There you go. There's Joan. Hi. Hi. Andrew Vaughn is the DH. He's batting third. Jose Abreu scorching hot, and it's not even August. Hi, Jose. He's batting cleanup first base. Gavin Sheets. Gavin Sheets batting fifth, that left-handed bat. A.J. Pollock. I don't know. He needs to be better. He's in left field. Be better. Josh Harrison, a guest on Inside the Clubhouse today with Bruce Levine and Mike Esposito. He is playing second base. Sebi Zavala will be catching, presumably. Well, who knows? He might he might start some kind of ruckus. Then okay. They're 1-0 in ruckus games. Adam Engel is playing center field. Adam, home run Engel to you. He's batting ninth. That's a pretty amazing thing that... Staff that, staff that Jay Kuda, follow him on Twitter, everybody else does, all the smart people do, that he unearthed. Adam Engel came off the bench. He did not start the game. He hit a three-run homer. The first time a Sox player did that since 2001. Herbert the Milkman Perry. What a wonderful character. What a great nickname. All the old school vibes of that. And Herbert Perry hit it in the game that had been rescheduled, had a bit, was rescheduled, had originally been scheduled for September 11th, 2001. And your picture today is Lance Lynn. This this would be a wonderful, a wonderful game to show that he's Lance Lynn. That would be outstanding. And there's your lineup. It does not include Louis Robert who left early, made several bad breaks on baseballs that we've come to expect this past week. Has anybody looked, gone this far south, short of being Steve Sachs? But Steve Sachs was never Louis Robert in the field. Steve Sachs was a guy who kept throwing the ball into the ground. He was, he would make throws to first base like 50 Cent throughout first pitches. But he was never, he was never that guy with the big arm and the great defensive player. Louis Robert was supposed to cover everything with all the slow outfielders. Louis Robert can't judge, can't 
can't get a right break. He's he's making the wrong. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know that the Sox know. He left yesterday's game with what was called lightheadedness. He is not headed enough apparently to play today. So there you go. That's what's going on. Now the question really remains: not so much the lineup and who's pitching. It becomes what colors a uniform. I don't know. Caesar Caesar Perez, producer extraordinaire. Do we know? Can we find out? I've yet. I know we can get starting pitchers. I know we can get stats. I know we can get pitcher versus batter, all that kind of stuff. Can we get uniforms they're wearing? Is very important for the White Sox. I will try to find that information out for you. I I I don't know if there's a central place to go to for that, but I'll try to find out here. Okay. Well, I'll tell you why. Jay Kuda had has keeps a running chart of the Sox. Their record by uniform, by design, by color. And this, for those of you, White Sox manager, interim, pro tem, who believe in metrics, the White Sox have outscored their opponents 76 to 21 wearing gray in the last month. I didn't notice this. It's also six wins in a row in gray and 11 of the last 13 in gray. Why would the Sox wear anything else if they have that choice? I'm not sure if they're dictated to or what. If they have that choice, I don't know why they'd wear anything else. You dress for success. And in the last month, in their grays, they've outscored opponents 76 to 21. They've won six in a row at 11 of 13. That's what I... I don't know. I don't know. I used to... I know the pitch, starting pitcher chooses the music. I have no idea what you're... And the jerseys when you have like seven, five, seven, six, five different choices. The starting pitcher gets to choose uh, on some teams. So I don't know what they... What their... What the rules are, but if I'm the White Sox, I'm wearing gray, and that's the way it's going to go. Here's something else. If you've been watching... It shouldn't be, it shouldn't feel like Joe Kelly is a revelation. But it felt that way yesterday. 15 pitches, 10 strikes, two strikeouts, one, two, three. I mean, it's working the way the White Sox imagined, believed. Maybe they didn't expect Ronaldo Lopez to be there. Kopech goes five. Lopez, Kelly, Graveman, Hendricks. Bang, 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 bang. That's it. Nothing. You twins, you evil-dreaded twins, you'll get nothing and like it. So Joe Kelly has now compiled these numbers, according to Chris Campa, the Sultan of the Stat at NBC Sports Chicago. At home, in 5.2 innings, his ERA is 19.06. That has a Cubs ring to it. He's walked seven, struck out seven. He has a whip, a whip, walks and hits Innings pitch, 3.906. That's that's not a whip. That's that's a plea for FEMA. On the road, the same Joe Kelly has pitched 10 innings. His ERA, 1.80. Just a little bit lower than 19.06. He has 15 strikeouts and only five walks and a 1.1 whip. Joe Kelly don't come home. 
stay on the road, stay in the airport, be Tom Hanks, be that movie, whatever you got to do. Don't come home. If you come home, don't bring your glove. You're not leaving the bullpen. That's it. We'll see you later. This is really stark that he is so much better. I want him to be this way at home and on the road because Joe Kelly is a lot of fun. Joe Kelly has zero bleeps to give, says what he thinks, says what he wants. I love this. That's perfect for what we imagined this team to be, whatever swag, attitude, presentation they had that everyone was worried about Tony would sit on, but he didn't really. This is, Joe Kelly adds to this. A guy who claims he got an eight-game suspension for getting a lip on. I love this guy. But you can't suck. There's no love when you suck. We're going to take a break. We hope the Bulls don't suck, but the Bulls didn't really do anything to get better, and everybody else you care about in the East did. So I guess we'll figure out what this means. We will go out to Las Vegas because they always have the answers out there. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday suckage. I suck so you don't have to. Don't, don't, don't thank me. It's a public service. It's what makes me an American hero. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.